0: We are proud to partner with Fiverr, the online marketplace for freelance services to get stuff done. If you have any business or creative needs, you need to check out Fiverr. Whether that's a logo design, website optimization, social media boost, video production, you can find it all on Fiverr. We as the Kingdom Dreamers have used them for many of their services and plan to continue. Check them out at the link in our show notes. Welcome, Church, to the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Sister Mary, for that delightful hymn. I hope you're ready to receive from the Lord this morning, Church. We have the distinct privilege to welcome to the pulpit this morning. Uh, um, uh, what's that dude's name? You are now tuned in to the Sermon Archives of William R. Horn, Kingdom Dreamer Productions. 12, it will be the final one, even though I said 14, you know, listen to the last episode I Had a handful of sermons from sign of the dove that uh, the audio was garbage, so I couldn't give it out. So I'm sorry for that. But this one is uh, one with good audio from sign of the dove. Uh, this one comes from January 29th, 2018, my wife's birthday. Uh, this is. Uh, yeah, so this is in my final sermon. I was at sign of for a little bit over another year, um, but it's the final one I have audio of, and it's how we're going to cap off season one. So season one ends now, but then season two, uh, which will be not sermons of days past, which is this one, but will be a word for today, so it'll come up to my current ministry, tracking those sermons. That will launch on April 27th, if you listen to the past April 27th, 2020, but if you listen to the current got to wait for it. And then season three is already planned and going to come out. It'll be a little different, but it's going to come out August 10th of 2020 this year. Um, And in that sermon, what will be different in that season is that we will have some featured preachers, some featured guests with sermons throughout that season. So it'll be a little bit different. So it's going to be cool to see how we develop towards that. Uh, follow me on Twitter, as you always know, William R. Horn, H-O-R-N-E. You support us, the Kingdom Dreamers, and my ministry outside of my pastoral ministry on Patreon.com slash Kingdom Dreamers. Uh, also want you to check out our website. If you're here on YouTube, you can see on the little, the little share screen thing. Uh, check out our website. We have new merch, everything coming in. You can scroll down here. You see our mission right here on the right. You could see our recent posts, whether that's podcast or blog posts, our sponsors here on the right. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff. Just go to the store tab. You can check out all the new merch. So KingdomDreamer.com if you're listening. You need to check it out. Make sure you can support us. Um, but yeah. So with, uh, with all this, with the support and Patreon, we do have one goal I want to announce to you is when we get to 30 Patreon supporters, Right. I'm recording this before we launch, your but it's going to come out slightly after we launch the Patreon. So right now, as I'm recording, we're at zero, but hopefully we're at 30 already by the time you hear this. But when we reach 30, we'll be releasing another podcast under the network called Questionable Church, which will be with myself um, and other guest pastors wrestling with questions of the church, spiritual life, theology together. So it'll be uh, kind of a shorter, more pastoral podcast but we can only do that if we have the supports to do that um so support us on patreon get the benefits get more podcast and yeah with that being said let's talk about this sermon real quick this is called the ministry of reconciliation coming from second corinthians five it is as sign of the dove waukegan in waukegan illinois um you can hear at the beginning my brother pastor cory on the keys during my sermon which i desperately need in my new context so maybe we'll make that happen soon you never know uh but sign of the family if you're listening love you miss you uh thank you for listening and supporting hope to see you soon um and yeah without further ado let's jump into the sermon uh 2018 this is post seminary so you kind of my standard sermon flows there who knows how that'll change since this is more recent so kind of feeling myself here because it's closer to my current understanding and context, but Ministry of Reconciliation, Second Corinthians 5, as Sign of the Dove in Waukegan, Illinois. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Sign of the Dove. Good morning. Just give it one more time for the children that are leading us in worship. That's, that's beyond encouraging to me. I, I don't have words to describe how encouraging it is to see Children worshiping the Lord. Um, And that goes back to my personal testimony, you know, coming to Christ as a kid at age seven. Um, So there's something in that, uh, in children turning to the Lord and leading us in that humble posture. Uh, Before I begin, I'd also like to just acknowledge the apostles and thank you again for your leadership of us um, and for allowing the children to be a part of the church and continue to um, express their worship to God also want to acknowledge my wife who continues to support me well it's also her birthday today happy birthday birthday. to you happy birthday to you happy birthday dear kylie happy birthday to All right, so who can tell me what our theme for the year is? Anybody? Growing and, going. Growing and going, good, so some of you listen, that's great. Growing and going. So I want to focus on this going part today, all right. All right? So going in its nature is evangelistic, right? We're called to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I don't believe anybody in here would question that, right? Um, It's clear in Scripture. We've heard it from the pulpit many times over our lives. And even if you're unfamiliar with Christianity in the church, you probably know that the people of God are to go and tell the good news, right? It's fairly commonly understood where we're at today. However, despite the somewhat common knowledge of this call to go and make disciples the church in America operates with a very unhealthy mindset about it. Right? Some of us, we overcomplicate things. Right? Thinking that the call to make disciples is for those in ministry leadership, for the pastors and preachers, or somebody who's super spiritual, whatever that means, or someone with higher education. And then others of us just lack vision for what God's doing through His church in the world. We don't quite understand what this whole church thing is, that it's not just a bunch of buildings that we see all over the place where people gather and sing sometimes and hear somebody tell them something. But God is using his people, the church, to bring his good news to the world. Amen. Some of us just really don't understand how great this news is. That God is reconciling the world to himself. That we're separated from our creator. And that's a very dangerous thing. And others of us think about the Christian faith as kind of a private faith. Something we keep to ourselves. Kind of a me and Jesus thing. Right? You know, I want to grow spiritually, but that's, that's me and Jesus. Right? Nobody else is concerned. It only affects my spiritual slice of life. And therefore, we take God's saving grace in vain. So, church today, I want to examine this going a little bit more detailed. And to do that, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you turn there with me. I'm going to begin in verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. We're going to go all the way down to chapter 6, verse 1. And it translates this way. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right minds, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view or a fleshly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And 6 1 says, As God's co workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. That's where I'll stop today. If you quickly bow in prayer with me before we begin to break down the scripture, let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you as king in this place. We acknowledge you as king. And we ask that you would send your spirit to guide us today, to enlighten us on your scripture, um, and to fill us with the passion to share your news, a great understanding of this reconciliation you have given us. That separation from you is death. and We don't want that. We want life. Holy Spirit, let us know that today. Renew that in our minds. Change us here in this place. We ask that your truth go forth. And we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. So, church, my primary claim for you today is this. That God has chosen you to be his agents of reconciliation in the world. Don't take his grace in vain i say that again. God has chosen you to be his agents of reconciliation in the world. Don't take his grace in vain. So what I want to do today is first I want to look at the message that has been entrusted to us. Then I want to turn and briefly look at what is your role. And then finally I want to turn and talk about your influence. Got it? So there's a the roadmap for today. Three things. The message, your role, your influence. You all clear? All right, so first, the message. You have been entrusted with a message. What Paul calls the message of reconciliation. Now, it's it's a simple message, right? But it's so profound that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. We pronounce that the new has come. That the old is gone. And in this new creation, humanity is now reunited with their creator. With the true king. They're reunited with them. And all things in that place are made new. And this affects multiple relationships that have been broken since the fall in this world. First and foremost, this new creation, this reconciliation reunites humanity and the triune God. We are reconciled to God through Jesus. That's the first relationship. See, sin separated us from our creator who is wholly separate from evil. He cannot be united with evil. And separation from a creator is a bad thing. I want you to think about this. With a creator, a creator, separation from a creator is also a separation from purpose and therefore a separation from true life. So take a chair for instance, one of these chairs we have in the sanctuary, the youth should know this example because Brent and I use it often, but take a chair. What is the purpose of a chair? To sit on, right? For a human being to sit on. So if I take a chair. and and you set your nice plasma screen TV on it, and it falls off and breaks, you can't sue the creator of that chair. Because you were using it for something other than its intended purpose. Now watch this. The creator dictates the purpose of its creation. Hear me say, the creator dictates the purpose of his creation. So then separation from one's creator is in fact death. Right? It is death. Sin has brought humanity death on multiple levels, right? Death was introduced to us after sin. We're dead spiritually without an ability to move towards God without His grace. Sin has killed us. But see, the message of reconciliation says come and have life. Come and have life. It says you can come alive because Jesus has taken your place. He has taken your place and he has sent the Holy Spirit to guide you on this journey of transformation. You can now come alive. Though you are dead, God has chosen to bring you alive. That's the message of reconciliation that we cry to the world. Come alive. Stop walking dead, come alive, find true life, find your purpose, reunite with your creator. See, you've been entrusted with the message of life, the very words of life. Think about that. Let that sink in. You carry the words of life. What are you going to do with those words? Are you going to hold on to them? Or are you going to see the dead come alive? Because you've been entrusted with those words. They've been given to you the message of reconciliation. What are you going to do with that? So first we know the message of reconciliation is union with our creator. Union with our creator. The second relationship that's now renewed reconciled in the new creation is humanity's relationship with one another. Humanity's relationship with the other. See, sin has also broken that relationship on multiple levels, right? It destroys the very community we were created for. We can see this destruction on the personal level, right? With all the malice we so easily spew at one another over trivial matters. We see this brokenness in our very families. See, we've been hurt many times, and we've hurt others just as many. Our sinful chase, watch this, our sinful chase after self will always leave a path of destructive community behind us. Our sinful chase after self will always leave a path of destructive community behind us. We also see these broken relationships on the corporate side of things. And by corporate, I mean collective, systematic things we see, right? We either are actively participating in them or we remain silent on them and these destroy our relationship with others, right? We see the destruction of others in our justice system that locks up black men at an unproportionate rate and divvies out sentences unproportionate to crimes, we see destruction of others in systems and cultures of hates and fear that rise up and cause people to divide and question the other. We see destruction in systems of economic greed where poverty kills one another and riches kill the rich. Right? Some destroyed by their own riches and others destroyed by their poverty. These systems of sin that we either accept or actively participate in break up our community also. Right? So it's not just personal things, but it's both personal and corporate things. Our brokenness with each other is evident. Right? It's evident. We see it in our world. But the message of reconciliation... This message that has been entrusted to you says that the liberation of the soul must also come with the fight to liberate the body. See, God has created us as whole beings, right? All of us, body, soul, mind, spirit, emotion. You were created unique, every part of you. You're not a soul trapped in a body or a body trapped somewhere else. God has created every little bit of you. And His message of reconciliation says... Justice for you in this physical earth. It says that we'll fight for that. It says endurance, pointing to a king who suffered under the unjust rule of the Romans and died unjustly. It says endure how our Savior endured. That under this oppression he was under, he accepted it for you so that you could become new, so that the kingdom could come and humanity could find deliverance. See, the message of reconciliation tells us to love deeper. To love deeper in every way we can love somebody. That we care for a soul we see, that we care for the human condition we see, that we pour ourselves out self-sacrificially for the other. The message of reconciliation Says love at sacrifice to self. So that's the second part of the message. The message calls for healing of our relationship with others. But there's a third relationship that's been destroyed that will be made new, and that's humanity's relationship with creation. With creation. Right When sin entered the world, the very earth was affected by this separation from God. Think about that. We know that Paul tells us in Romans that the very creation groans for the revealing of the children of God because King Jesus will come back and it will be made right. The very creation groans that Jesus will return and make these things right. right? We see this with natural disasters that destroy thousands of lives. That can be credited to sin. We see this even with the very weeds in your front yard. Maybe we have some gardeners here. That's sin. That's sin in your front lawn. Think about it. Creation has been affected by sin entering the world. And on the other side of this destroyed relationship is humanity. Humanity. And humanity continues to wreak havoc on creation. From air pollution to the contaminated water in Flint, Michigan. Humanity has chosen to contribute to the destruction of what is good. What God created and said was good. So there's two sides of this relationship that have been destroyed from sin. But see, the message of reconciliation says this will be made new too. This will be made new in Jesus. Imagine. You guys are missing it. Even creation will be made new in Jesus, right? We won't see natural disasters well. destroying. We won't see tsunamis taking out villages of people. Come on. We won't see fires. We won't see all this destruction Amen. that we can't answer. They were like, humanity hasn't done it. It's just here. That too will be made new. And in the meantime, we fight to care well for the earth that God has given us. We fight to care well for it. We can't just ignore it. So the third part is the message of reconciliation says all creation will be made new. All creation will be made new. And finally, there's a fourth. There's a fourth relationship that's been broken. That's going to be healed. And that's our relationship with self. Our relationship with self. See, sin has caused a destruction of our very understanding of our own being. We spend much of our lives trying to figure out who we are or what it means to be human. We wrestle with self-doubt. Pride. Anxiety, false images of ourself, temptations of all kinds. And see this turmoil we see in the minds, this alone tells us there's something wrong with this world. This turmoil, this wrestle with self, to figure out who we are, to figure out what it means to be human, shows us that something's wrong. And see this fight's this one's hard to ignore, right? You can ignore your relationship with God and try and avoid it. You can ignore others, lock yourself in a box. You can even say creation doesn't matter. The environment doesn't matter. But you can't ignore the battle with self. Because, see, we've tasted evil in a way that God's never tasted it. We've tasted it from the inside. Right? God's never tasted evil from the inside. We've tasted it from the inside, and this battle in our minds, this battle over the evil things we've committed, it's very hard to bear, and it haunts us, destroying our very understanding of self. But see, the message of reconciliation has something to say to this also, That when we're reunited with the almighty creator, we too can be made new. You hear me today? We too can be made new. You can be made new. When we demonstrate faith in Jesus Christ, he brings us on this journey. Right? He sends the Holy Spirit to bring us on this journey to conform us into the image of Christ. To teach us what it means to be truly human. Because humanity is good. You know, everybody gives excuse, I'm only human for sin. No, humanity is good. You're just a sinner. They're different. Right? But God, God is showing us again what it means to be human by transforming us into the image of the perfect human, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And see, this church, this right relationship with our true identity, that's a beautiful thing. That changes everything. My God. Now I'm not saying this is an instantaneous thing. This is a journey like I said. But the new creation, this message of reconciliation says, you too will be made new. Hallelujah. You can be made new. So this message that we've been entrusted with is that God is reconciling humanity to himself through Jesus the Christ. And in that place... All things will be made new. All things will be made new. So now that we've examined the message, these four relationships that are made new, I want to briefly look at what your role is. You've been entrusted with a message, but you've also been given a role. So you, who have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have been given a role, a job. Paul refers to us as ministers of reconciliation. Right? So there's a message of reconciliation, and then there's the ministers of that message. He further describes us as ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. Ambassadors. So this brings up the question what does it mean to be an ambassador? What does that mean? In its simplest form, right, we know it's, it's a representative. Right, But if we kind of look at a more fuller sense of it, we can say it's this. It's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Now, let's translate that into what it means to be Christ ambassadors. You are an accredited diplomat. And your accreditation only comes through the Son of God who has taken sin for you and given you righteousness in its place. See, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You're only seen as righteous, or in this case, accredited through Jesus the Christ. No merit of your own. But even so, he has sent you. He has given you a job. See, so you're an accredited diplomat, but you're also from a different country. Or in this case, we could say kingdom, right? Jesus' words in the book of John paint this clearly. They are not of this world, just as I am not of it. See, in Christ, you become entirely other. Because you're not from here. You're not from this world. You're not a part of it. You've been reconciled to God, creator, king. You're part of this new creation. So you are the official representative of God in the world. You're not from here. You don't have any accreditation of your own, but you've been sent to be the official representative of God in the world. He has chosen you. Now, being from another kingdom effectively changes how you live, right? You don't look like the world because, like I said, you're not from here. So why should he look like it? We have this profound identity of being in the world, but not of it. See, as an ambassador, you know that somebody else rules over you, not the governing bodies of this world. You have a king from a different kingdom that rules quite a bit differently than this world, Uh right? An ambassador operates within the rules of the land, but only for the sake of the message that his king has given him to give out. Right? So think about it. We see this with Jesus. Just like him under Roman rule and the religious power of his day. Right? He was not submitted to their rule, but he worked within it. Because he knew he had a message. And this is where the Father had sent him. Right? And he knew that he must endure. Even when he had to speak up against injustice and wrong thinking in this world he was not from. He knew he had to endure even to the point of death. Even so, may we endure. May we endure in a world that's not our own. When we have to speak against injustice. When we have to speak against wrong thinking. When we have to live boldly different from the world. May we endure what we'll face. Even to the point of death. Because God has placed us here as his representatives. God has placed us here as his representatives. See, as an ambassador, may it never be said that we belong to a divide the world has created. An ambassador works for peace. That's part of the job description. Seeks to break walls of division that have been set up in this world. As we know, they're already broken down in Jesus. See, ambassadors use unity as a vehicle to the true end of seeing people reconciled to the true king. We desire that the body of Christ is one, just as the Father and Son are one, so that the world may see we belong to God, just like Jesus asked in his prayer in the book of John. As ambassadors may we never regard anybody according to the flesh or a worldly point of view. See, a worldly point of view associates others with these false social divides of superiority and inferiority. The world judges you by outward appearance, and only sees people as pawns for their own selfish game of life. Come on. Seeking retirement at the millionaire estates or countryside acres. Mm, right. Did y'all get that? Mm, yeah. You don't? The game of life? Millions? All right. <laughs> Seeking, all right, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll keep moving. See, the flesh doesn't see a soul at the end of every conversation, Uh-oh. the flesh doesn't see humanity created in the image of God. The flesh doesn't see the other person's life circumstances that have brought them to this point of your meeting. They don't see that. The flesh doesn't seek the interests of others, but only its own interests. The flesh doesn't want to see life from somebody else's perspective, but seeks to live in its own confines of its own privilege and understanding. The flesh doesn't value the other. The flesh doesn't value the other. See, as ambassadors for Christ, we're to welcome the stranger into our midst, to be hospitable to those around us, to the marginalized, the poor, the refugee, knowing that they're people made in the image of God whom God cares for very deeply. And he asks his ambassadors to do the same, to care for those around us, especially those marginalized by society, very, very deeply. See, ambassadors for Christ, they don't fear the other, but they love the other, knowing that their life is in the hands of the true king. So what do I have to fear? What do I have to fear in this world if my life's in the hands of the true king? Ambassadors for Christ no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. They realize their life is beyond the confines of this world, that death is already defeated. Whom shall I fear? That death is already defeated. Whom shall I fear? Therefore, I don't have to carry a weapon to protect myself, God protects me. And my life's in his hands and my life's beyond the confines of this world so I can walk with no fear. And no fear means I don't have to hate the other. Doesn't matter what you can do to me. I have no fear because I'm not from here. I'm not from here. <laughs> Ambassadors for Christ don't take pride in what they see, but rather what's in the hearts. They understand that man is not simply outward appearance, nor do they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You see, that's where like the Pharisees made their mistake. They love the glory of man more than the glory of God, so they missed Jesus when he was standing in their midst. Ambassadors for Christ don't love that glory. They only love the glory of God. Ambassadors for Christ seek to live out their job description, making appeal to others that they would be reconciled to their Creator. Amen. We live out our job description, making appeal to others that they would come to know Jesus as Savior, as King. Ambassadors live out their role well not taking God's saving grace in vain. See, you are the official representatives of God in the world. Now, interestingly, when we look at this passage, we only see one requirement to be an ambassador. Only one. And that's faith. That you're reconciled to God. That's the only requirement. If you put your faith in Jesus and turn from your sins... You're now an agent of reconciliation. You've now been entrusted with a message. All of you were called to this role. Every single one. There's no education requirement, no spiritual level requirement, whatever that is. Not even in age requirements. Now, seeing how it's Youth Sunday, would you, would you kindly let me go on a tangent? Just a little one. I'll give this one free of charge. Just one tangent. There's no age requirements. There's no age requirement to be an ambassador for Christ. See, we must fight our direct and indirect use of the you're not old enough in life and in faith. And we've seen the, the church doing a beautiful job fighting that, letting the children lead, right? But we have to fight that directly and indirectly. And yes, youth, obey authority. Obey your elders. Glean wisdom from them. But... Never let this factor of age hold you back from being a full member of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter your age. See, many of us don't intentionally make age a requirement, but we do indirectly by the way we speak about or the way we treat children, especially in their teenage years. Especially in their teenage years. Now, why that is, I don't know. I'm not a parent. I don't know. But see, we rather... Teach children to be good as opposed to teach them to walk with God in the world. We rather teach children moral truths, how to be good, than how to walk with God in this world. See, youth, children, you're called to be in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are a minister of reconciliation in this world. That's why I'm so encouraged today about the children worshiping, by seeing salvation in children. I was particularly encouraged when we did baptism just a little bit back, right? And uh, Jalen Davis was being baptized. And for some reason, the Spirit hit me hard, right? I don't, I'm not a very emotional guy, so I don't like cry or anything, but this one had me messed up, right? <laughs> but when I saw him being baptized, and I've seen him living out his faith as, as a young child, right? Uh, talking about when he's see, seeing the homeless and wanting to feed them, feeling this call like they need some help right? At a young age, being a minister of reconciliation, that encourages me. Because see, I speak to you as a relatively young man, probably younger than the majority of the room, actually. And because of that, I probably won't tell you my age, but let's just say I was born in the 90s. I'll leave it at that. But I put my trust in Christ at the age of seven. At the age of seven, and if it wasn't for my father empowering me to be a full member of the body of Christ, I don't know where I'd be. Right? He taught me to serve. He taught me to study. He taught me that I was a minister of reconciliation, that people could become saved. They could come to Jesus through my appeal. He taught me that at a young age. And because he empowered me that way, that's what I sought to do in my teenage years. That's what I sought to do. I wanted to see all my friends reconciled to God. Every single one of them. And sometimes that put me in some weird places. I didn't get a lot of party invites, I'll say that. I didn't get a lot of other things. But the joy, the joy that came with it. Because by the grace of God, some did get saved. Some did get saved. I remember at at 14 spending all my money on Christian Rhapsodies and Bibles to pass out. Trying to get people saved. All my money. Even t-shirts, I thought that would get people saved at the time. So I was like, let me get these Jesus t-shirts and have one for every day of the week. <laughs> I don't I don't advise that method quite anymore, but you know, more power to you if you do, I guess. <laughs> but I spent all my money for this. Every single bit of it. I remember at 17 making YouTube videos trying to break down scripture and get people saved. Now, they're not on the internet anymore because I might have been spitting heresy. I had a lack of knowledge. <laughs> But I wanted people saved. I wanted to see people reconciled to God. And you can do that as a child, as a teenager. You can see people turn to Christ. And I always remember the joy of that fight. Even if I wasn't invited to all the parties that You know, the basketball team, I was only there to play basketball not go to anything else. There was things I lost, but they were so worth it. They were so worth it. See, age is not a requirement. And we must be the type of people that will walk the Christian life well with those younger than us, as opposed to simply giving moral truths. If we would do this, youth, if you would see yourself as a minister of reconciliation, a whole generation would be transformed. The church would be something completely different. If you would choose to be a minister of reconciliation, to embrace this call that's been given to you. See, you are the official representative of God in the world. You are the official representative of God in the world. And age is not a requirement. Faith is. Faith is. So now that we've briefly talked about the message you've been entrusted with, the role you've been given, I now want to turn and talk about your influence. Your influence. What if I was to tell you, instead of going, that you've already been sent? Let's think about that for a second. You've already been sent. See, God has put you in places where you can influence others. Those places we call your spheres of influence. Now, typically when we hear the word influence in the Christian life, we actually think about it in the opposite way, and I found this out on Wednesday when I was talking to the youth, is we hear influence Christian life, avoid bad influences. That's the only thing we have tied to the word influence. Avoid bad influences. Which, there's some validity to that, right? But have you ever thought about yourself as an influencer? You are, in fact, an influencer. God has given every single one of you multiple places where you're being called to be the influencer for Christ. The question is, do you recognize it? Do you recognize it? See, each of us has a home life, right? where we can influence those we live with, no matter if that's our family, roommates, whatever situation you're in. You live somewhere, there's people around you, you can be an influencer. Right, it's simple. Some of you work a job that you spend more than 40 hours a week at. Are you influencing there? Are you choosing to influence there? Some of you go to school and spend hours upon hours with the same people in a confined space. Are you influencing there? Every one of us lives in a certain location. Now, let me give you a radical idea. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? I know that's a little crazy, but are you influencing in your neighborhood? Can you even tell me their names? Just give me that. Who lives next to you? See, we have all these spaces that have been given to us to influence. They're set up for us. We're already in them. The question is, will we do it? So let me just quickly give you three steps, I guess. I, don't, I wouldn't call them steps, but three ways to begin influencing in the spaces that God has already given you. Three ways. And the first is connect to the community. Connect to the community. Now, often God puts us in places, right? But we refuse to use the adequate energy to actually connect to that community, right? Most of us go to work or school on Monday and we already clocked out ready for the weekend. On Monday. On Monday. Or we just come home from our jobs, right? Or school or whatever and we watch hours upon hours of TV never engaging our family or our neighbors. We're just not connected to our community. We choose not to be. And see, this is something you have to be intentional about. You have to spend the extra energy to acknowledge those in your spaces, to start communicating with them instead of thinking about what's the next task or what's for dinner. I fall for that one quite often. What's for dinner? But we're always thinking about the next thing, right? We're never present in the places God has given us. If you want to be an influencer, you have to be present. And sometimes connecting with a community actually means getting creative and finding a community. So when I first moved to the area, I knew nobody, except for my wife, which I'm grateful for. But I knew nobody. Didn't have a job. Wasn't in school. I was just a random guy down here, near Genesee Theater, right? So one of the first things I wanted to do was find a space I could call a third community, right? Which is simply another community other than my home, work, school, those typical things were put in, right? I wanted to find a place where I could just be on the regular and influence. So I needed a haircut, decided I'd find a barbershop. So I found a barbershop here on Grand, and I've been going there ever since. It was right around the corner, right? And... Anytime I have enough money to get a haircut, which unfortunately isn't as often as it should be, anytime I wanted to get a haircut, I had enough money, I would go there and get a haircut. Even if I had free haircuts offered to me. That'd be like committing adultery on my barber. I can't do that. I can't do that. right? And it doesn't matter how good a cut he gives me. I wanted to be in this barber's space. And I'm still in this space today. And we talk about everything. His name's Hector. We talk about everything from The world, politics, sports, including Jesus. We talk about Jesus. But this is a space I had to get creative and make a community. Go join a community. We know when we heard Pastor Harry talking about his Dunkin' Donuts stories all last year. He effectively created another community. Right? He said, I'm going to this same Dunkin' Donuts every time so I can get to know these employees and influence them for Jesus. Right? Chose to intentionally go there. There's places we go all the time. If we would just be intentional, right? If you shop at the same grocery store, choose to try and find the same person to check you out. Slowly build influence with them. There's all these places that if we were just intentional, we could see radical transformation. We would see people turn to Jesus. So sometimes you have to get creative, but connecting with the community is key to being an influencer. Connecting with the community. So second, the second way that you can begin becoming an influence is cultivating relationships. Uh Cultivating relationships. So it's one thing to be in certain spaces all the time. It's another thing to actually be in a relationship with people in those spaces. Right? It's a whole other thing. This is where the task of influencing becomes very hard because it's going to cost you your time. And we don't want to sacrifice our time. But it's going to cost you your time to actually have a conversation with somebody. Right? That actually listen to somebody. Right? So if you want to be an influence, you actually have to talk to people and you actually have to listen to people. Simple formula, but very difficult. Right? Are you praying for those that you run into in these spaces of influence? Are you praying for them on a regular? Are you going back in... Checking back up on a conversation you had. Are you doing these things? Are you cultivating relationships? And this goes back to what it means to be a minister of reconciliation and ambassador for Christ. You value the other. You value the other in your space. The question is, are you taking the time to give them that value? Because if you don't value others, if you don't spend time to build relationships, you will never have an influence, no matter where you're at. So we have connecting with the community, cultivating relationships, and check this out. This starts with the C too. Don't know how I did that. Choosing to lead. Choosing to lead. Some of us have a fear of leading, so we avoid it at all costs. And others of us just want to lead to get the glory of man. And we just talked about that, so I'll, I'll let you all think about that one. But some of us are scared to lead. However, think about this. If God has entrusted you with a message, he's made you his official representative, and he's given you space to influence, doesn't that sound like he wants you to lead in some capacity? Like he wants you to do something? See, you have to choose to lead in those spaces. Now, by leadership, I don't mean you have to climb some rank, go, you know, whatever. You don't have to become the CEO of your job to have influence. You don't have to climb any ranks, but you have to choose to walk with an attitude that says, I have a God who has the truth. I'm a lead from that place. It's, it's leading with humility. You're not walking in your own power, but you're choosing that God has made me his representative in this world, therefore I'm going to lead. Right? I'm going to have a voice. I'm going to make appeals that people come to Him. Right? He's already given you these spaces where you can lead. You just have to choose to take on that attitude. Operating, knowing that he's good and faithful, that the Holy Spirit's already working to draw people unto him. So all you have to do is join in. You just have to join in with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Right? He's set those things up for you. Will you take part in it? And might I suggest this, a, a weekly activity that you can do to check in with this. This is something... I like to do during the week, and it's helped me a lot. Spend some time writing down all the places that you have influence, that you potentially have influence, right? Your home, job, school, these different places you go on a regular. Just get, you know, three to five spaces that are places where you can influence. And then I want you to pray about those spaces. Pray about them. And then in each of those spaces, write down a name of somebody that's in those spaces, that you're going to seek to influence this week. Now, influence, like I said, is not necessarily, you know, unless if the Holy Spirit tells you do it, but not just walking up in there and say, hey, you need to get saved right now. It's cultivating this relationship, right? And that's, but that doesn't mean that you're just building relationship, saying, oh, talk about these things and leave. You're intentional about bringing up Jesus, right? There's this balance game that we're terrible at. Of just being natural people and living out of this identity we've been given as ambassadors. It's something that takes work. It's something that takes prayer, right? But write down these spaces that you have influence. Write down at least one person in each of those spaces that you're going to seek to influence, and then come back at the end of the week, reevaluate, repray, all that, and continue that cycle. Otherwise, you'll do it once and you'll go on with life and you'll go back to your normal habits, right? But if you're putting it on the forefront of your mind, you can be intentional in the spaces that have been given to you. Make sense? So God has given you influence. Are you going to take it? Are you going to take it for his kingdom? So, in conclusion, God has entrusted you with a message made you his ambassadors, and given you places of influence. How are you going to steward those things? How are you going to steward them? Can you be trusted with these things? Because God's trusting you with them. He's giving them to you. And maybe some of you here today are not reconciled to your creator. Maybe you're not reconciled to your creator. Maybe you're curious about how this journey starts what does it mean to be reconciled to God I want to let you know today that Jesus the Messiah he stepped down off of his throne in heaven came down to earth lived suffered died rose again and is now sitting at the right hand of the father he did all that for you he stepped down off of his throne see he values you so much That out of the hundreds, with 99, he would leave that 99 to go find you. He would leave the 99 to go find you, the one left out of the hundreds. He values you that much. And he said, if you simply put your faith in him, believing that he is Savior and turn away from your sins, you will be saved. You can be reconciled to God. You can begin this journey with God. He took your sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. He said, in him you'll find true life, that you can walk away from death. So I beg you this morning, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. If you're even unsure about it, we have somebody who would like to talk with you. I'm asking you to come alive this morning, to not live life dead anymore. I want you to come alive. Come to Jesus, who will reunite you with your creator, which will give you your purpose and give you true life. So if you're here this morning and you have not been reconciled to God, if you would just please stand, we're going to have somebody who will guide you through the beginning of this process. Anybody, even if you're questioning, what does it mean to be reconciled to God and have questions? Anyone here today? And feel free to grab one of the ministers after if the Holy Spirit tugs on you and you missed it. The opportunity is always there to be reconciled to God. And maybe if you have committed your life to Jesus, you haven't been living in this role of ambassador. Right? And you need prayer. If you need prayer this morning simply that you could take on this role well, would you stand? I would just like to pray for you today. It's a challenge living in this world when you're not of it, not to conform to it. But God has entrusted you and he wants to use you. You are a minister of reconciliation. Allow me to pray for you. Father, you see those, you see the hearts. You see those who desire to live out this role of ambassador well. You see those who want to continue to grow in this walk of being reconciled to you, learning what it is to be part of your new creation. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would would grant them that this morning, that you would stir up a passion, stir up an understanding, that you're the true king and that as your children no one can touch us and that you've called us to bring people to you to make appeals on your behalf that people could come alive that dead hearts could come alive would you give them that power would you give them that confidence this morning Jesus we thank you ahead of time for the great work you're going to do here the great work that you're already doing. We just ask and thank you for allowing us to join in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being the way to be reconciled to our creator. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. is proud to be sponsored by Logos Bible software. If you've been longing for the tools to take your Bible study deeper, you need to try out Logos. I've been using Logos for over a decade now for both my devotional and pastoral study. Right now, Logos is partnered with Kingdom Dreamers to bring you exclusive savings. Check it out at the link in the description if you're on YouTube or in the podcast show notes at all other listening locations.